uh, Stephanie and Naya and David and, and Gabby, but especially a baby up here singing, um, just does my heart good. Um, but I would say, uh, starting out, just, you know, wintertime, thank goodness, we look outside and I don't see any snow. Yay. Uh, but the story that I want to start with was a lot of snow. It was in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago, and the snow was feet and feet and feet of snow. Uh, and there was this man who got a call from his friend, and his friend said, can you come help me? He went out to help his friend, and his car got stuck. And, and he, couldn't, he couldn't do anything. And he wound up actually meeting two other people, and he stayed in his truck all night. Now, he stayed in his truck all night until the gas ran out, and then he had nothing to do. And he, he really knew that if he, if he didn't get help, he would die. I mean, this is not like kidding around. I mean, the guy would die. You all heard the stories of people who passed away, and he would die. So he started to knock on some doors, and unfortunately, some of the people that he knocked on the doors, for whatever reason, you can't really fault them with all the world and everything that's going on, and we all feel afraid, they turned him away, and there was no room for him, and they said, sorry, we can't help you. So this man, this young man, started to find a way to save him and these two other people. And he finds a school. He takes two old brake pads, and he breaks the window. He gets in the school, and they have heat, and they have food, but he doesn't stop there. He, he goes out, and he finds other cars with elderly people just waiting to die. And he knocks on the window, and the people were describing this as if, here's this guy that I have, I'm here to save you, and I, come with me. When he was done, there was over 20 people and two dogs, I think, maybe 25 people, and they have a picture of them. They, they, will, they will remember themselves, that group, for the, the rest of their lives. But what I thought about was him knocking on the window of people who are dying, and is that not our world? And people who don't know Jesus Christ, they are dying. And Jesus comes to the world and says, I love you. I've given my life for you. I'm here to save you. And that, that is a message that we need to proclaim. And as we go into the story this morning about Daniel, I want you to look at it as not Daniel. Not Daniel in the lion's den, but Jesus and God. It's all about God. Now, I'll read you his, quickly, I'll read you his note. And I just love this. This is the most humble man. Um, and this is the note that he left on the wall. I can get my phone to work. To whom it may concern, I am terribly sorry about breaking the school window and for breaking in the kitchen. I got stuck at 8 p.m. on Friday and slept in my truck with two strangers just trying not to die. Then there were elderly people also stuck out, in, stuck out and without fuel. I had to do it to save everyone and to get them shelter, and to find a bathroom. Merry Christmas. I mean, here's a, just listen to that story. I mean, here's a guy, and I, I read more of the article, and he actually used the term, um, it was God's will, that he had to do that. And he said he was going to just keep going until he saved everybody. So I just want to look at the story this morning, a true story in the Bible that's true about Daniel, about how we should walk, how you and me each one of us should walk with the Lord. What does our walk look like? What did this man's walk look like? He could have been like 
you know what, I'm stuck in my car, I, have, I can't do anything, and he could have just perished right there, but he didn't. So what does it look like to walk with God? In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So I don't know if you're note-takers. Some people take notes. Some people like me just sit and listen. If you're taking notes, our points this morning from the story is that a walk with God produces an extraordinary spirit. It also produces friends, but a walk with God is going to produce enemies. And a walk with God will produce no judgment. So I just want to walk through with you, and, I, and Matt, thank you for reading the, the scripture that leads up to the story. But the story of Daniel comes after what Matt read, and King Darius knew that he had to protect his kingdom. So he had 120 governors that were overseeing his kingdom, so he wouldn't have loss. So he would know that people were watching over his treasure. But he took three other, you call them regents, over the 120, so they were each in charge of 40 governors. And one of them was Daniel. Now, now it comes to, uh, the story goes, and it is true that Daniel had an extraordinary spirit. Daniel was in contact with his God three times a day. It says three times a day he prayed to him, but I'm sure it's more. And, and Daniel had this extraordinary, extraordinary spirit. And the king decided to say, you know what? I'm going to take Daniel, and Daniel's going to be in charge of everything. He will be in charge of everything. Now, this does not sit well. It didn't sit well with the other governors and the other regions because, look, Daniel was in exile. Daniel came in, and they're looking at him like, you're going to steal my job? You're going to take what's mine? And they conspired together, they lied, and they cheated, and they got together, and they said, how could we figure out to get Daniel in trouble so he won't be in charge of everything? So they say, let's look. He's a politician. Politicians must have something that is bad, that we could find, that we can get him in trouble. You know, they looked high. They looked low. They looked all over the place. The Bible says they could find nothing against Daniel. That in and of itself is an amazing thing. It kind of blows your mind. But, but besides that, they say they don't stop. And they say, okay, okay, we got to do something here. So what they do is they say, the only way we're going to get this guy is something about his God. Because they knew Daniel was praying to God three times a day. So they go to the king and they say, king, we want you to do us a favor. Okay, first they go to him and they actually kind of like you know, oh, king, you're wonderful. You're the best in the world. And, you know, pe leaders love to hear that. But this, this, king, this king really took it, and he was like, oh, yeah, okay. And they said, we want you to do this. We want you to put in place a law for 30 days that no one could pray to anybody but you. Nobody but you, oh, king, for 30 days. And not only that, we want you to seal it with your ring. And the law of the Medes and the Persians mean that once you seal that, it cannot be broken. And the king agrees. So, so these men go knowing that they're going to see Daniel, knowing that he's going to be there. And once Daniel heard that that law was put in place, 
he did what he always did. He didn't stop praying. He continually did what he always did, and they found him. Then they went back to the king, and they said, oh, king, did you, did you happen to make a law about not praying to anybody but you? Oh, yes, I did, and it can't be broken. And, and then they say, well, Daniel, the exile, like trying to make it so like the king doesn't know him, like the exile, like, he's, he's not paying attention to you, and he's praying to his God. So, so the king is distraught. He loves Daniel, but he really has no choice. But what he does do, the king does, he does go and do everything he possibly can do to break this law and to save Daniel. But the Bible does say these men come back to him and say, you know what? We have to remind you that you put this law in place, that you did this and it can't be broken. So King Darius has Daniel put into the den of lions. They seal it with a stone on top. But the king goes back at night and he can't sleep. He can't eat. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. And he's distraught. But what he does do when Daniel's put in this den, he says, Daniel, I know your God will save you. Is that not amazing? The king is saying, I can't help you, but your God will save you. In the morning, the king gets up and he's destroyed. And in an in a anguish of a voice, he says, Daniel, has your God saved you? And Daniel says, yes. God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths because I have done nothing wrong against my God and I have done nothing wrong against you. So King Darius takes Daniel out of the lion's den and there's not a scratch on him. Nothing. So he comes out of the lion's den, and then King Darius takes the men and their families and their children, and he throws them into the lion's den. And if you thought, hey, maybe Daniel made it through because the lions weren't hungry. No, no, the angels shut their mouths because before these men and their families hit the ground, they're dead. These lions devour them. And then even in a more amazing thing, that when you read this story, King Darius makes a decree to all his dominion that all should fear the living God of Daniel. That you should fear Daniel's God because Daniel's God is a living God, will live forever, will, his kingdom will endure forever. And not only that, he rescues and he saves. And then Daniel is able to live his life, the rest of his life in that kingdom. That story is an amazing, true story. When you read the Bible, understand that when we're looking at it, we're looking at what God is doing in other people's lives. You know, Daniel was there for uh, 66 years. And when Matt read that scripture in the beginning, he was a young man. Years and years have gone by from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 6, and he's about 80 years old, about 80 years old at this time. So the, the first point that I have here is that walking with God as, as Daniel walked produces an extraordinary, an extraordinary spirit. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, this is in uh, chapter 6, I believe it's verse 1 of Daniel, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So he possessed an extraordinary spirit, Daniel. 
this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners. As we heard in the story of Daniel was connected to his God in the spirit, in particular by prayer, that he prayed three times a day. You know, we know they could not find, as I just said, as I just sort of gave you a summary, they couldn't find anything against Daniel. That he continued kneeling and praying three times a day. See, Daniel trusted in his God more than he trusted in who he was serving. And yet you have to understand, Daniel served so extraordinary that they were making him uh, ruler over everything. In Acts 5.29 it says, But Peter and the apostle answered as they were being persecuted, We must obey God rather than men. You have to understand, I, Daniel was like us. He had to be afraid. He had to know that his physical body was going to be destroyed and that he was going to die. And yet, he drew a line. He drew a line that I'm not going to go over that line and that I am going to follow my God no matter what. And I had to, I wrote this in my notes, think. This is really for me, but you can listen to it and you can take it for yourself. It says, think, if your secular job told you you would be fired, if you did not stop going to church, what would you do? What would I do if I go to work tomorrow? My boss says, hey, I heard you preached on Sunday. Don't do it again or you lose your job. What would I do? What would you do if your spouse came to you and said, I can't stand this Jesus thing anymore. If you don't stop going to church, I'm leaving you. What would you do? What would you do if your friend said, I don't want to be friends with you anymore because you follow Jesus and you're a Jesus freak. I don't like it. What would you do? Also, let's make it even higher. Would you die for God? Daniel's answer is, yes, I would die for God. You know, when Daniel prayed, his prayer may have sounded something like right out of the Psalms. Psalms 143 says this, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. I, I read that psalm and be honest with you, I hadn't seen it before. And I, I want that to be the prayer of my life every morning. May I entrust my life to my God. You know, I just want to hang out at this prayer part for a little bit. If we're believers, if we're walking, if we're going to have an extraordinary spirit, the only way to do it is through prayer. The only way to do it is to pray. We were reading, uh, Sid had us this morning go through Psalm 119, and one of the verses in there said that um, they, they had uh, praised their Lord seven times a day. And it just stuck out to me that, that we need to be so connected to our God Otherwise, we will not have a good walk with God. We will not have an extraordinary spirit. People won't look at us and say, hey, what's different than you? You think of Elijah and Paul and Daniel. You know, my daughter Tricia and my son-in-law Mike gave me a devotional book. And in the devotional book, there's a song in there, A Way to Start the Day. It's by Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend. Just listen to these words about starting your day with God. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for what I cannot see 
give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. The other point I want to bring out here is that an extraordinary spirit in the story I told you when, when uh, Daniel is finally coming out of the, the pit of lions and he's talking to Darius, he says, then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. Daniel was not mad at Darius. He had forgiveness in his heart. He's, he was just about to be destroyed. He had to spend the whole night in a lion's den. Trust me, we would be angry. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Maybe you wouldn't be angry. I would be angry. I would be furious. Furious. He's not angry. So in my, um, in my career, I'm really blessed, and I, I get to go eat um, really nice steak and seafood sometimes, and we go out to dinner. And uh, I went to Insignia dinner uh, one time. Too bad Dave Tedesco's not here because after I went to dinner, I told him I went to Insignia Steakhouse and had fish. He was very upset with me. Um, he was like, what? Are you kidding me? You didn't have the steak? I'm like, I, you know what? I really wasn't in the mood for steak. Um, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But as we're at the dinner, um, I was invited because I was the branch manager um, of this client. And it was an attorney. And the attorney came. And the CEO of the company was there. And the tables were kind of like a box. And there was about 30 people in the room. And the CEO was in the front. Um, and then some executives and, and me. So I'm sitting there. And about two seats down is this uh, man who's in charge of all the commercial banking. And he's sitting there. I'm two seats away from him. And I could just see it coming. I see this waiter coming like this. And he's got wine glasses, and he's going like this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So he's doing this, and one, one wine glass goes, boop, and it goes down this executive's back. So I'm sitting next to him, and I'm, I'm ready to jump up because I'm, I'm kind of like that. I get like, oh, whatever. And I, I didn't, thank goodness, because the executive did this to the waiter. Just like that. He didn't move. He didn't jump. He just went. And the waiter was like wiping him with the towel, you know, and all this stuff. And he's like, he didn't say a word. Besides me and the other person next to me, nobody else in the room really knew what happened. About 45 minutes later, this executive got up, took his jacket off, and his white shirt was just purple. He decided at the moment, I'm not going to make a stink. I'm not going to get up and scream at this waiter, and I'm not going to ruin this whole night. I mention that because it's stuck in my mind. Every time I tell this story to a lot of people at the bank, I remember this man. I just saw him the other day. That is amazing to me. Anybody else would have got up and gave that waiter his mind. But he didn't do it, and that just stuck with me. And I don't know his faith, and I don't know any of that, but that to me was an extraordinary spirit. Also, his extraordinary spirit it says, when you read about it, it was found, he was found innocent before him, that Daniel was found innocent before God, and that he had done nothing wrong. And that's not of Daniel. Daniel's a sinner just like you and me. He deserves judgment. He deserves punishment. But God chose to save Daniel because he had trusted in his God. Psalm 128.1. 
Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Let me read that again. Psalm 128.1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. The second point. A walk with God is going to produce friends. And trust me, if you walk with God, if you're doing what Daniel did and you're praying three times a day, and you can pray more than that, it doesn't have to be three times a day, but if you're giving your life to God, you will have enemies. You will have people who hate your God. You will know it. You'll hear it. You'll see it. It says in verse 3, Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, again, and the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. And I know you're saying right now, Mark, you keep repeating yourself for a reason. I want you to get the idea here that, that Daniel possessed an extraordinary spirit and that because of that, he was, the spirit was from God and he was blessed and he had enemies. It says, then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find ground and accusation against him. And I told you that already. You already heard it. So you know that because of Daniel, they were angry and they were jealous. Again, just being completely honest with you, in my career, it, it's all based on what level you get to. Everybody, you know, where, where is he? What's his title? Where, where, how far have you made it? And how have you gotten there? And I'm going to tell you, over the years, the Lord has worked on my heart with jealousy. That's exactly what is here, is jealousy. They are jealous of him. And I had spent so many times in my life where I saw this person, this woman, this man, somebody else was like, boop. I got to look up at them now, and I got to listen to them. Why? Because they have been blessed. And yet, in my heart, I'm like, you know, that's not fair. I, I, I became jealous. And I, I had to finally come to a point to say, Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for where I am. And thank you for blessing these people for the hard work that they've done to get where they are. Help me to honor you and to praise you every day to be thankful for other people and their lives and what you're doing in their lives. It took a long time. And these, these satraps, they would have been able to pray to, to, to the real living God. They would have been on the right path to that. And yet they weren't. They did everything they could to get Daniel out of that, but not only that, they did everything they could to kill him. They wanted him dead, and they were almost there. James 3, 14 and 16 says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Is that not what we see here? Is that not exactly what is going on? They lied. They cheated. They tried to disparage Daniel to the king. You know, one of the things that you'll find, and I found, so Facebook is great, but at the same time, you know, you have things on there and you have friends on there. And, and years ago, I, I connected with a childhood friend who was 
very faithful and very religious and in, in a denomination that's different than ours, but he would say right away he loves, loves the Lord Jesus. But there's some differences there. So when we connected, we started to talk, and right away there was friction. Right away there was almost like we're not friends anymore. And how dare you say these things? And so this went on for a little while, and then the Lord checked my spirit and said, you know what? Just leave it. Be friends with him and just back away. Back away in the sense, don't stop talking and don't stop saying that you love me. Don't do that, but stop fighting. And that's what I did. And we're friends to this day. And we still talk and he still says he loves the Lord Jesus and he knows where I stand. And those types of things we can get so, um, hey, this is my opinion. I'm going to stick with it. But the Lord's asking us to have mercy and grace for people who don't know him and let the Lord work on their heart if you're giving them the truth. So another point in here is I said you can have enemies, but not only enemies, you can have friends. I tell you, coming to know the Lord and coming here 30 years ago, I wouldn't have known any of you people, and I consider you all my friends. It's, a, it's an amazing gift of God. So you follow the Lord and you walk with him, you will have friends. But in this story, how amazing is it that this is more, not more, but just as much of Darius coming to know the Lord. You get to see a king come to know the Lord, and you're going to see that at the end of this. He is coming to know the Lord. You're seeing a person walking, not really knowing God, to knowing him. It's amazing. You will have friends. And we know this because of the scripture here. In verse 16, Darius said, Your God, whom you continually serve, will himself rescue you. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No entertainment was brought to him, and his sleep fled from him. You see this guy in anguish. And he eventually comes to proclaim the Lord to his whole kingdom. The last point, to produce a walk with God produces no judgment. We, there's no judgment for you and for me in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation at all, all for those. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all, at all, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Now, let me just say one other thing about walking with God produces no judgment. I can't leave and stop without saying that there is judgment. There is judgment. We have no judgment. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you've asked him into your heart, that you know that he died for you, that he rose again on the third day, that you have faith in Christ, you are saved, and there is no condemnation for you. But for those who are enemies of God, there is judgment. And you look at this story and you see that there is judgment. Before those people reached the ground, the lions tore them apart. They were judged. They were judged for what they did. Read John 3.18. The one who believes in him is not judged. 
The one who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Revelation 14 says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead, and with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who has made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you I desire nothing on earth? Is that your prayer this morning? Whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you I desire nothing on earth? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. And as I stare at you this morning, I know your concern. I know your hearts. I've been in the Bible studies with you. I've been in the prayer meetings with you. And we all pray for our unsaved loved ones. We all pray because we all know that every person has a soul. And you will either go to heaven with your Lord Jesus Christ or you will go to hell. And there is an eternal punishment. Come to Jesus and give him your life. Come to the Lord. Get on your knees and humble yourself and walk with Jesus. You know, the true story of Daniel, and yet this is a, a story about God and what he has done. You know, my grandsons were, were here for a while at Christmas, and it was like the, the best thing in the world. Um, I, I, I can't lie, I'm probably still tired. Uh, getting older and running around and everything is great, but... Um, Linda and I were able to purchase some books from uh, Alistair Begg's church, and one of the books was called Jesus and the Lion's Den. And I, again, being honest, I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> I'm like, they got that wrong, and yet they didn't get it wrong. It's a great book. It's a kid's book. Um, it's by a, um, Allison Mitchell and a Catalina Eckery. I can't say her last name. But anyway, if you go to Alistair Begg's uh, ministry, you'll find that book and a bunch of other ones. But as I read that, um, Maverick and Isaiah were hysterical laughing because I, they kept saying that Daniel could be lion's food, and they thought that was the funniest thing. But in the story, they have pictures of a lion, and they're Jesus moments in the story of Daniel. And it says, when you see the lion, it's a Jesus moment. And, and there were four of them, and I just want to share that with you because we've just read through the story of Daniel, but what does it have to do with Jesus? It has everything to do with Jesus. And I was going to do the lion's roar, but because I do that with my sons and they laugh, but I didn't think you guys would laugh, so. Rawr! There you go. Somebody laughed. Uh, they think that's funny. Anyway, Daniel's enemies lied. Jesus moment. Jesus' enemies lied and tried to get him in trouble. Number two, Daniel did nothing wrong not to be put in the lion's den, and Jesus did nothing wrong. Number three, Daniel prayed. He prayed three times a day. Jesus prayed in the garden. Jesus is praying for you right now, the Bible says. God saved Daniel out of the den, and God brought Jesus from death to life. This is the promise for you and for me. 
that we, because we have faith in Jesus Christ, go from death to life. Let me just read this last part and I'm done. But this is the words of King Darius. For he, speaking of God, he is the living God enduring forever and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He rescues, he saves, he performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. He who has also rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Let's pray. Lord, you have rescued our souls from the power of the devil. You have, you have rescued our souls, Lord Jesus. We praise you for that and we thank you. We, words don't even do it. But we do praise you and thank you for saving us and for loving us. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen.